I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. is the Virtual Real Estate Investor Podcast with Vincent Polisi. Buckle your your seatbelt and prepare to learn how to legally make six figures investing in real estate with no money, no credit check, and nothing but a computer and internet connection. Learn how you too can begin generating buyers and sellers for free today and why you're only two calls away from making a $10,000 or more payday while never leaving the comfort of your home. And now, your host, the virtual real estate investor, Vincent Polisi. All right, guys, here we go. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Vincent coming to you live from the sugar sand beaches of the Emerald Coast of Florida, Santa Rosa Beach, along Highway 30A. Made it back to the beach about a month earlier than normal, but here we are having a great time. It was absolutely gorgeous last night. Those of you guys following in the Facebook group have seen the images, and they are nothing short of sensational. So very happy to be back, even though it's a little hotter and I'm a little more humid than I prefer. Still having a great time. Kids having a great time out in the ocean. So, all right, let's get into today's episode. This comes up over and over and over and over and over in the face group, Facebook group, in the group joint venture, in the with the one-on-one JVPs. We actually have a podcast episode uh, strictly for handling this objection. And what is the objection? It's the I want a substantial down payment when doing an owner finance deal. Sellers, of course, always want a substantial down payment. Why wouldn't they? You do. I do. Of course they do. Nothing wrong with that. But how do you handle it when that is your primary source of upfront money on a deal? Well, like I said, we have covered it in its own individual episode. You can scan back for that in the prior episodes, but I'm going to let you hear it live with an actual seller. You're going to get to hear him actually say he wants a substantial down payment. Yeah, there was another episode we did with a joint venture partner, Eric, a couple episodes back too, where a woman wanted a substantial down payment. You got to see exactly how I handled it in that situation. And you're going to get to hear it live once again with um, my buddy Clint, one of my joint venture partners on a property he found. And we had to get through the gatekeeper who was the realtor. And then once we did that and we had the seller on the phone, here comes the, I want the substantial down payment again. So again, we're chipping away step by step, one objection at a time to get to the finish line. And you're going to get to hear live exactly how it all goes down and how I overcame the I want the substantial down payment objection. And now, without further delay, it's unquestionably everyone's favorite segment of the Virtual Real Estate Investor Podcast with Vincent Polisi. It's time for an extra-large dose of total transparency. As you listen to Vincent live and in the trenches dodging bullets and grenades while he's closing real buyers and sellers over the phone. To ensure quality service, your call may be monitored or recorded. Hello, hello. 
Can you hear me? Hey, Todd. Hey. Man, I, I couldn't get back to you. For some reason, I was showing a, a blank screen there. I couldn't get back to you. I apologize. Vincent, you on the line? I'm here. Okay. Vincent, this is Todd. He's the realtor for uh, Matt. there with him there on speakerphone. Hi, guys. How are you? Hey, Vincent. Uh, Mac has a beautiful home there in uh, Myrtle Beach, and mm -hmm. he was open to owner financing. He just wanted to make a good deal with us if if we can come to an agreement. Uh, okay, sure. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. Vincent, uh, tell us about Legacy Cash Buyers a little bit, if you wouldn't mind, maybe a little background on your company, and um, yeah, just to fill us in, if you wouldn't, just real quickly. Um. Clint, is that that's, is that your that's your LLC? Yeah, right? that's okay. Yeah, that's, that's my LLC. Okay, <clears throat> well, you know, so Clint is a joint venture partner of mine. I've got um, I don't know a couple hundred of these guys all over the United States that we work with uh, through one of the we, we do full spectrum real estate investing. But one of the one of the big things that we've been doing for about a decade now is filling bridging the gap uh, between sellers and buyers, basically for buyers that. You know, they want to purchase a property but don't presently qualify for conventional mortgage financing, which right now, despite what CNBC tells you, is running somewhere between 80 and 90 percent of the U.S. population based on what they've done with um, increasing the guidelines with over and all the overlays since 2008. So what happens is the whole the way this whole thing got started was I had uh, two houses in uh, Alpharetta, Georgia. I had built, custom built, bought, lived in them. I lived up there for about eight years, and in 2006, when we were starting some stuff, uh, other thing down in Florida, I moved down to Florida, had four houses down there, and trying to sell the two houses in Alpharetta, and couldn't sell them, and it wasn't because we weren't getting full price offers, it wasn't because we weren't dealing with people with bad credit. Uh, one guy trying to buy one of the houses at 700000 was a uh, real estate broker, and he owned his own mortgage company, had a 780 credit score and plenty of cash, but still couldn't get his own financing done because of what they had done at that time with the uh, lending guidelines. So I'm sitting there, you know, burning through about four grand a month between these two houses, pay, making payments to Wells, Wells Fargo and Bear Stearns uh, for houses I'm not living in, which if you've ever done that is not a, not a pleasant scenario. And I did not want renters in the home because we had in the one, one of the houses, it was all custom, you know, custom faux painting and stainless wine fridges and $30,000 worth of California closets and all that stuff. And so I just I didn't want renters in there just tearing the place apart. Um, so that became the impetus for, I was the original seller. That became the impetus for the owner finance thing because I was in mortgage banking at the time. So basically what I did is I took everything I was doing in mortgage banking and we, we cut all the red tape out and turned it over into an owner finance deal where you have buyers that want to purchase properties. We get, uh, we get tons of referrals from, Mortgage brokers from, you know, people that have, you know, great credit. They got perfect credit, but for some reason they don't qualify, but they still want to buy a house. They don't want to rent. And so what we do is we buy houses through owner finance agreements with sellers that want to sell, but can't because the buyers can't get financing. They don't want to keep even payments. They don't want the lost opportunity cost on the money if the property is free and clear. And it becomes a gap or a sort of a bridge in between the two, which is infinitely more profitable stable and uh, infinitely less risk than taking a property and turning it into a rental with all of the headaches and hassles that are entailed in that. Now, obviously, 
if you can sell outright for cash and move on, I'm an investor. That's exactly what I would tell you to do. Okay. My situation was I couldn't do that. I couldn't get out of these two things. And they were, you know, after burning up 48 grand, my wife and I are sitting there looking at each other. So we got to do something different here because that's a lot of Ritz Carlton vacations we could have taken for carrying these properties for, you know, Wells Fargo and Bear Stearns. So if you can do that, by all means, that would be my professional advice and guidance to do that. But if you can't, this can be a much better solution than it's sitting there not making any money and sitting there uh, as a rental because of all of the tenants and toilets problems and headaches associated with that to then not have a sale. And under this scenario, it is an actual bona fide sale today. So you don't have to deal with any kind of maintenance and repairs or increases in taxes or insurance or anything like that going forward. It's an actual bona fide sale. Um, under the IRS's installment sales contract guidelines. And so <clears throat> basically, you know, we'll, we buy the property. Um, I, I resell the property to uh, another buyer. We get them qualified and then they refinance typically within 12 months or less. And then at that point, you cash out for the, the full amount. Okay. So, so let's talk about the house uh, sure. in question to mm -hmm. in 82nd North. Do you, how familiar you, are you with Vincent, with the uh, with the house and some of the property. Well, I'm my familiarity is I've been looking at the house on uh, what is it, Zillow. So I've seen the house. I've seen I know where it's at. I actually just spent uh, two months in Myrtle Beach um, earlier this oh, year, great. right on right on Ocean Boulevard. So I'm I'm very familiar with the area, having been there. But uh, I'm not a I obviously I don't live there full time and I don't have the experience in that market that you do. So I won't claim that, but I am familiar with the, ha the house, the location in the area, because I have been there earlier this year. Okay. So I guess Great. my question, my question to you would be, you know, as the expert there locally, um, beyond somebody not qualifying for financing, is there any other, and your house is beautiful, is there any other reason that you would be aware of why, you know, it's not, it's not going, not, not moving on a conventional sale? Well, it, I mean, it's a little bit more expensive, just typically in this market and probably in every market, the higher you go on the uh, price scale, the longer homes typically sit on the market, right? Yeah, sure. And you're, you're dealing, you in, a super, a yeah, you're dealing, dealing in, either, in either a jumbo or super jumbo loan, so those are even harder to qualify for than yeah, not as many people who can afford this house as who can afford a $250,000 house. Yeah, oh, of course. If there are, sure. We've got a lot of new construction in the area, just about, I don't know, not even a quarter mile from here, probably a block or two. We have a brand new community mm -hmm. um, with Charleston-style homes, three raised beach homes, very, very very nice new modern construction. That, that's what we're competing with there. And then about a couple miles down the street, we have a, another new development. So new construction in the Myrtle Beach area is really on the rise. And so we have to compete with that some as well. So I think those are the two main factors. Okay. Is there had, had has he considered turning it into a vacation rental? Because I mean, obviously that market's you know hot for that most of the year or a portion uh, of it, I guess. You know, that's not something that we're really interested in having to deal with necessarily. I think Mac would like to, our preference strongly, and we really don't have a backup plan is to sell the home. Yeah. Sure. Okay. No, I just, you know, like I said, I know it's, you know, we were in vacation rentals there, so I know there's a ton of them. Um, 
Yeah, it's for sure. We could do that. Um, it's, it's, it's only zoned for up to three months at a time. Can't rent it short term, week to week. So the, 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 the shortest rental period oh. that this allows is three months. So it doesn't gotcha. really bode for RBC unless somebody's going to, you know, extend it like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, that makes it, that makes it challenging because you're trying to compete with all the ones down the street that, that can do the, you know, the three day weekend deals and all that. Right. Unless they're doing them illegally, I don't know. They're on. That's, I know we had. I well, I mean, that's always a possibility. What's that? I said that's always a possibility, but if you're caught, yeah, the fine is not fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine sure. They catch you doing it illegally. Wow, crazy, crazy, crazy. Okay, so that being said, um, What you what would you say is the percentage of primary residents that are there locally in this in this location? I know when I was driving around, you know, there's, there was tons of you know beautiful homes that looked like people lived there that weren't vacation rentals. So, who who are you thinking is the is the buyer for this? Is somebody that, that can afford it that can work from the house that wants to live at the beach? Yeah, so the, the the buyer that is going to the person who's going to purchase this home is going to be probably a retired couple, okay, um, who wants to live at the beach, moving from somewhere. Yeah, moving moving from outside outside the state, more than likely. Okay. and that's probably the most likely scenario. At the price, a lot of properties around are getting. If there's if there's a a lot of the properties that are in this area. Not a lot, but the properties in this area that have an old house on it that hasn't been redone, that's kind of dilapidated, mm-hmm. maybe that's a strong word. Mm-hmm. Buying those for the land only and tearing them down and sure. the homes right on. Right, so right. I don't see that happening because this home is not, it's not a teardown, right? No, it's beautiful. That's why I'm sitting here looking at it. I'm like, okay, wow. This is, this, this to me, and I just tell you from my personal perspective, because we survey mortgage brokers every i mean literally every day to find out what they're saying nationwide as far as their uh, number of you know out of 10 deals where you've actually taken an application somebody's moving forward on a purchase how many of those are you actually you know closing and you know the average runs about two to three you know and this is what people that after they did their verbal pre-qualification they determined that it made sense for them to waste time taking the full-blown uh, 1003, it's a four-page, three, four-page, I don't know how many is now, uh, application and having to go through all the credit disclosures and good faith estimates and all that. So there's, there's a large uh, percentage of the population that just can't get financing, even if they have perfect credit and a good income and good job time. So uh, I would, you know, in looking at the house, I, I can't find anything wrong with it. The only question that, that I had was it looks like there's a window unit. Is that in the garage? I, I can't tell what, what that room is. There's a window in unit. The window. Yeah, there's an office. There's an office section in the garage. Okay. It could be an office, a gym. It could be whatever you wanted. It's a section with uh, laminate floors. It's completely finished, and it it it's a it's a well, how many square feet is that office, Matt? Do you know? It's roughly ten by ten. Yeah, it's a ten by ten room. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with the house. I mean, I, I think if if I had to take a look at just from my experience, you know, you're in a in a vacation resort type area um and then you're you're compounding that with the fact that the lenders just as a tendency aren't aren't lending and 98 percent of all 
purchase transactions nationwide involve some type of mortgage finance. So it's this compounding effect. I don't think that we would have any problem in you know acquiring a buyer under this type of a scenario because you're going to open yourself up to all the people that want to purchase, but you know they don't have whatever it was six eighty five in cash and uh, whatever or whatever credit or mortgage qualification that they need. That they need. Most of, a lot of people that okay. come in too are self-employed and they're, you know, they're, they have to make uh, like we did one at the beach down in Florida and, you know, guys got owns an HVAC company uh, was with regions bank and they'll give them $3 million, you know, on a, on a, on a signature on the, the uh, commercial side because he's been with them for 20, 25 years, but they wouldn't give him, you know, two cents on the residential side because he's writing everything down on his tax return to minimize his tax liability legally. And so his choice was either a, I'm going to have to pay taxes. I don't legally owe, which doesn't make any type of financial sense so that I can go into debt with bank of America to get a, or regions to get a house, or I can go the owner finance route. And that's what we ended up doing. We got him, you know, we had him in, in, in a couple of days. Um, cool. So, you know, anyway, what would be the next Vincent, like you want to talk numbers or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I don't like. I, I think Clint told you this. I mean, this, this, it's not not a big negotiation. I don't. I'm not here to make offers and all that. I want to put together a win-win that you know makes sense for everybody. Um, I can pay full okay. price. I can pay full price. That's not an issue. I just, you know, I, I need the terms that I need uh, for what we're trying to do here. What kind of payment is he looking for? Like, I, if I understood correctly, you own it free and clear, so you don't. There's no. Note that we're having you're we're having to cover. It's just you've got um, dead equity buried. It's not generating a return. So what what would you say the payment would be that you would need for that plus the taxes and whatever? Is there any other thing um, in Myrtle Beach there where you're at other than property taxes or their CDDs or impact fees or uh, HOA? Anything else over and above the standard PITI? We don't have any HOA fees here, not in this <laughs> area. Okay. Um, there would be tax. We would have uh, deed stamp fees, which are mm, I think it's about three dollars and seventy cents per thousand. So it's very inexpensive, you know. Yeah, that well, let's let's cover that real quick too. I don't need deed conveyance. Okay. I typically on this on these types of transactions, um, unless the the state you know requires it. Um, and I don't re remember that being a requirement in South Carolina from the deals we've done, but unless the state requires it, I mean, I don't need deed conveyance. I prefer that the, the seller maintain, you know, the deed as a, basically as a security interest so that for their own comfort, you know, not that you're going to have to foreclose on us or anything like that as a, as a company, because we'd be staying here and you, I'm who you'd be dealing with. But um, typically a seller is going to have two, Concerns. I call them the two D's: is damage and default. So, the in this scenario, uh, the way that both of those are handled, just for edification, I don't need the deed. You can maintain the deed. Um, we don't even have to do a contract. We can do a land trust. There's all kinds of you know different strategies that can be applied. But the way that we handle the, the two concerns that people typically have are one. When dealing with us as an investment company, and of course I'm doing this all over the United States, you know, every single day, you're not dealing with Joe Schmo that has one stream of income from his W-2 job. And if he gets laid off, all of a sudden now there's a problem. There's, you know, maybe payments come in and maybe they don't. 
Um, he, you know, that wouldn't impact you on this anyway because you're not dealing with him. You're dealing dealing with us. So I'm, I still have to make the payment regardless of whether he's paying us or not. And if we have to take him through some type of dispossessory action, which I haven't had to do in the last nine years, thankfully, and we've had to do it one time in ten years. So I like that that ratio. I don't I'm not looking forward to doing that again. But if we do, um, that's not a scenario that you have to handle because that's our responsibility at that point. And then as far as any damage is concerned, there's actually a homeowner's insurance policy that gets placed on the property. Um, you don't have to maintain any additional coverage on the house because it would all be covered under the policy that we get. And then you're identified as uh, what's called a mortgagee on the mortgagee clause and then also as additional insured. So if anything were to happen, so if we take a worst case scenario, which I don't like to talk about, but you know, it's in the back of everybody's mind, somebody gets in the house, and they go on a drunken bender and tear the place apart and leave in the middle of the night. Um, the recourse that we have, and this is once again why it's infinitely better than a rental deal where you only get a security deposit, is that we've got a full-blown homeowner's insurance policy on the property, and we simply make a claim for vandalism, um, and the adjuster comes out and you know scratches out checks to the subcontractors to come in and bring the property back to the condition that it was in. So it covers a lot more than a standard you know rental security deposit would to the full extent of whatever the damage is. Now, again, having said that, have we ever had to uh, use that use that clause or, or file a claim on insurance? Not once, because we're not dealing with renters in that in that whole renter mentality. Um, and it's not that all renters are that way, obviously, but you know what I'm saying. We're dealing with people that they have a vested interest. They want to own a home. They're working towards mortgage qualifications. So it's a whole different mindset. They're happy to be there because it provided them a solution when you know the banks couldn't or wouldn't so anyway what do you have a number in mind for the payment now this is mac let me speak let me speak for just a sec sure um we, we we may we may have a um communications problem here in that i said some owner financing and mm -hmm. we haven't clarified that was i originally put that in place because we had several people looking at property who said, well, I'd like to, but I've got a place I've got to sell in Pennsylvania or New Jersey or whatever. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm not willing to wait for something like that to happen. I know the caveats you can put on and all of this, but I basically said that a qualified purchaser who basically wanted to buy it and had a house to sell somewhere else that I would uh, finance it owner financing up to three years and I was willing to take interest only payments if necessary okay. if they in fact would put a substantial down payment on it because mm -hmm. I wasn't willing to take the risk and um, basically that that was my idea of owner financing no more than three years mm -hmm. and it was for somebody who had another house to sell or another property to sell mm -hmm. and that was my my thinking i do i do not want to owner finance i'm, I'm an old fart i do not <laughs> want to owner finance. Right. But, and uh, basically i want to be able to get the money out in a reasonable period of time so three years you think max three years is the the time frame that you want to if you're gonna, if we're gonna move forward this three-year time period, is your max, you think? 
I think it is, unless somebody's comes okay. up with something. What are your thoughts on that, Vincent? A three-year. That's that's more than fine. Our, our standard vanilla deal is actually set up with a 24-month balloon, and the objective is refinancing at 12 months. Um, the reason I have a, have the normal deal set up at 24 months is strictly because uh, you have a buyer do everything they're supposed to do, have done nothing wrong, and the lenders change the goalposts, and all of a sudden, you know, they've they've been in the property for 12 months and now. You know, they got perfect credit and everything, but for some new guideline that comes into place, they don't qualify. I don't like them to lose a house because through no fault of their own, if that makes sense. But 36 months is more than enough. Uh, 24 months is fine. I mean, obviously, I would, I'll always take more rather than less. But, um, you know, our normal PAT deal that we do all day, every day is at 24 months. So that's more than enough. Good. Well, I just wanted to clarify it because we were talking open-ended sort of thing. And sure. I, I want to make sure... That Sure, that was on the record. This yeah, yeah, no, I wasn't thinking of a 30-year fully amortized deal, if that's what your concern was. It sounds like, Vincent, that you, you know, this, I'm sure this is, maybe this isn't what, you're going to be purchasing this home from back on a finance basis, and then you've got someone who's going to purchase it from you on an owner finance basis. Is that how this works? Correct. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, I just want to make sure I was following it correctly. Yes. So as far as your buyer, so when... We're not really going to have anything to do with that person. That's going to be you and them. Yeah, it's it's called what it's called is it's a it's a it's a retail owner finance sandwich, um, and the sandwich part is me, sandwich. me yeah me in the middle, so that you know Max not having to deal with the person in the property or anything else. All he has to do is sit back and collect the check. Okay. All right. So we've got that down twenty to thirty six months. Next. Okay. What's All right. Next? That's fine. And then he said he mentioned uh, mentioned interest only, which is fine. That's how they're typically set up anyway. But I, I haven't heard a payment or if he's trying to calculate based on rates. Okay. So I have a question. I, I'm curious about. Let's suppose we have somebody who comes in very interested, but mm -hmm. clearly cannot qualify. Okay. For a conventional loan, mm -hmm. could we in fact turn that person over to you, or what do we do with it? Well, that's that's a great question, and I'm I'm gonna deal with clean hands here and give you an honest, um, non-self-serving answer, uh, so that you know we can you can understand how we how we operate and how we do business. Now, if that were to be the case, you have a realtor there who has experience. Um, he does. You don't need me, obviously. He can put it all together, and then you can, you know, obviously get the funds and everything for the down payment from that buyer. Um, the two of you can handle that. You don't have to involve us. We, we can put in our contract what's called a kickout clause so that if you actually get somebody this ready to pull the trigger and, and fire funds in before we do, then, you know, we lose our position. We have to perform or lose our position. And I'm totally okay with that. I'm not here to hamstring you or hurt you. Now, obviously from a self-serving standpoint, you know, I'd love for you to send the buyer over because that's, that's how we make money. You know what I mean? But you, do you need us for that? Um, the only reason that may be beneficial is strictly from the standpoint of, uh, the experience level that we've got with this type of structure and Dodd-Frank, there's a whole, whole, laundry list of laws that have to be applied to do this correctly uh, with what's called the Dodd-Frank Act and the SAFE Act and, uh, you know, the 
you got to be in compliance with with the, the consumer protection financial board nonsense. I mean, there's, there's there's a spider web that's out there on owner finance deals, um, and there's certain things that you can't do as a um, seller on an owner finance deal to a an, an owner occupant resident. Okay, they have very strict limitations on that. That's why everything that I'm doing is all predicated off of non-owner occupied, so that we do not fall within the jurisdiction of Dodd Frank and don't have to deal with them. So, the deal that you and I can do. I don't. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Talk about that. Let's just talk about the deal we can do because I, I mean I don't think. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're our buyer, not your buyer. You you are correct. our buyer. Correct. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. we, what you do with your buyer is not really our concern. Correct. Right. Because, what happens between us is what yeah. happens between you and your buyer. Right, right. Well, okay. what happens is Mac moves in the position of he goes from seller to lender, okay, and let's say he just collect just like Bank of America, he just sits back and collects an interest payment for every month. Mm -hmm. There we go. Okay, we've got thirty six months. We've got interest only. What's the next step? Well, the next step is we we got to get over the down this down payment hurdle because I buy the properties no money down. This is how we're making money from the buyer up front. The buyer that's buying from us is going to have skin in the game and they, and they are going to have a vested interest and they're going to put cash down um, so that they can have the equity position necessary for the refinance in 12 months because the lender is going to have what's called a, a loan to value ratio that for them to uh, qualify for the refinance, which is, it, it is, it's a refinance, it's not a purchase for them at that point. They have to have the equity position to be able to do that, and so that's why we require they have they come in with a down payment so they can qualify. Because one thing that people do not like to do is bring cash to the table on a closing on a house they're already living in. So we take care of all of that stuff up front. Now, if you know he's and I, I trust me, I get it. He wants cash. Everybody wants cash. I, I totally understand that. We want cash. You want cash. Everybody wants cash. Another way around that, if that's, you know, the big thing is obviously if you're sitting there with the equity position, you can refinance it and cash out and then have use the note that we're going to be paying for to, to service that and cover all that. So you've got your cash in hand and a write off. And, you know, it's all things being equal. You still have your have your money and probably you'd have you have a lot more than what we would be putting down on a down payment anyway. So that may be a solution that can get you what you're looking for. And then still not have that you. Go ahead. Not necessarily a requirement. Okay. You asked you ask what I was hoping for. Well, sure. No, I get that. Uh, I understand. And I understand why you okay. want it. I understand why you want it. I do too. Yeah. There is no mortgage on the property. I'm not okay. sure you knew that. Mm -hmm. There is no mortgage. It is. It was paid for with cash. And so basically, I want to get out. You know what? What I can. But I'm open to offers. I'm open to suggestions. And I would have my attorney very carefully check whatever's going on. I would have my CPA very carefully check anything before we make a deal. Sure. And uh, that that's in protecting what I've got in it. No, of course. And I'm happy to have. I'm, almost, I'm happy to do a conference call with you. I'm sorry. I said, and I'm almost a reasonable guy. <laughs> it sounds that way. I, I'm hoping that your attorney, your attorney and your CPA are, are deal makers, not deal breakers, and they're reasonable too. But I'm happy to have a conversation with them so that we can massage this thing to everybody's satisfaction. 
what I would suggest in this situation, if you're going to, uh, you know, what we call on the street lawyer up, which is totally fine. I don't have any issue with that at all. Uh, I would suggest that we do one of a couple different things. And since your attorney and your CPA are going to know your situation infinitely better than I am, what I would think we need to do is just email you, okay, here's what we're trying to do. I'm not married to any type, any contract type. In other words, it doesn't have to be a contract for deed. It can be a land trust. It can be, there's any variety of things that, that we can do with this. Um, I, and I guess the, the question, are you trying to do a 1031 on this or you lived in this house two of the last five years? So the capital gains is not an issue or what's the, what's the tax situation? What is the tax situation? Should it create a second home? Okay. The, the last the last time that it was listed, mm -hmm. I, ha I had a, a rental situation, and I've kept that open simply because okay. I've got a loss there that I can take when I sell. Sure. Right. Mm -hmm. And bas basically, um, it's considered a rental property. It, yeah. It's classified. Rental at the moment, even though I let the rental uh, license go, but, but uh, this is your primary here. This is my primary here. Yeah, not not that one. Okay. So basically, it was investment property. I bought it to I bought it to rehab and sell. So yes, okay. capital gains would be an issue. Yeah, capital gains is an issue. Sure. Okay. Are you going to do uh, a ten thirty? Do a ten thirty one? Are you just going to cash your chips in? Let's take the hit. You're not going to flee. No, we're not going to do a ten thirty one. Okay. We're just, yeah, we're just going to pay the capital gains taxes. You're not going to okay. flip it into a new. <clears throat> All right. So here's how that functions in case you're not aware of this. And of course you can vet this with your CPA and attorney. <clears throat> Pardon me. If we do a standard owner finance deal, um, you, you're going to have a bona fide sale and a taxable event today under IRS guidelines. But the way that they apply the capital gain tax is predicated off of a percentage of the income that's being generated from the owner finance payment, the installment payment. Um, and so it's not, you're not paying whatever the, whatever your capital gains rate is um, presently on this. When we, we do, you know, we're not going to pay whatever is hundred grand or whatever um, in taxes under that type of a scenario, you're going to pay a portion your CPA would have to figure out for you exactly what that is. So if you're getting a payment of, you know, three grand a month or whatever, then, you know, a portion of that is going to be classified as um, gain on sale. And then that portion then gets taxed at, at that rate. And that's what then has to be remitted. But he can clarify all that for you. And it may be a scenario where he comes up with, uh, given, you know, your his knowledge of your tax situation, he may come up with a different structure that, uh, can work, you know, I mean, we could do, if the taxes are, are a concern, we can do also do what's called um, a sandwich lease option where there is no actual, I, I prefer to do an actual bona fide sale because that's the intent that everybody knows what we're doing. But if we need to, we, like we've got a deal we're working on in with a, a lady in um, California right now that the value, which of course values out there are insane, but it's, it's a $4 million house. She has $2.6 million in um, equity and gain on sale because she's been there for about I think it's 12 years or so. <clears throat> and obviously she doesn't want to take the hit. She wants to take the money in 1031 it, but because it's her primary residence, um, she has to season 
proof of it being an investment property for 24 months. And so we're having to do a lease option on that deal as opposed to going in direct in with a sale. Otherwise, she takes a massive hit that she doesn't want to take. It doesn't tempt her to want. So for whatever that's worth. What I think we need to do at this point, um, given the CPA and attorney situation, is let me lay out in black and white, you know, what our objective is. Um, I can throw out some, you know, possible solutions and scenarios and then let them determine you know, what based on your situation is the best one for you. And then we just go with that one. And then your attorney, I'm happy for him to draw up the documents because he's going to be able to pull up something he's already happy and satisfied with um, they, through his, they've got document subscription services they pay for through LexisNexis and that kind of thing. They can pull up uh, bar, you know, bar approved contracts or whatever. I'm happy to use theirs as long as everything is totally transparent. Everybody knows what's going on. And like we have, sorry. What's that? I have contracts at my disposal that might. That's. I'm just trying to make. I'm just trying to make Mac happy. Okay, that's that's all I'm trying to do. I can oh, yeah. handle. I can handle the entire thing. But let me. What happens? Here's what typically happens. Okay. And this is. I don't know his attorney, so I don't want to say anything derogatory. But you have two kinds of attorneys: deal makers and deal breakers. Most of them are deal. What's that? For 20 years, he's handled everything that I require an attorney. That's fine. Numerous, numerous buys and sells and closing. Okay. So he, he knows everything about me. Perfect. That's fine. And he can, like I said, I'm happy for him to draft the contracts or um, you guys can handle it or I can handle it. It's all fine. But typically what happens is this. When we go in and I have to, you know, a lot of people, they want us to present our, present our, hold on a second. I'm sorry, my four-year-old just invaded. Hold on, baby. I'll be, I'll be right with you. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna hold on for me, guys. One second, I apologize. <clears throat> so what I was trying to say was this: is that what they typically do is they get involved in what's called not invented here syndrome, and never advise you paying your attorney to review our contract when he can simply provide one he's already happy and satisfied with. Um, the other thing is that you know we're I'm not married to any contract or contract structure. So whatever he comes up with, as, as long as you know, the, the uh, information is in there correctly, it's, it's totally fine with me. That's fine because I've, I've created my own contracts usually to keep them simple enough to be on one page. Well, I, uh, I, I, won't, do it. <laughs> I won't do it this time, but they've never, they've never been questioned at a closing. So I must be doing something right. But, Alan Clemens is the attorney here, and uh, he basically, as I said, has handled everything, the legality of everything that I've done in 25 years. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, I'll have Clint email over the, the different different structures, and then you can run that up the, the, the ladder and get his opinion based on his, you know, his knowledge of your... Okay. And then, you know, then we can reconvene, you know, I guess sometime next week after he's had an opportunity to review it and provide the solution in conjunction with your CPA. You're sending us a proposed solution as well as. Yeah, I'll just say this is what we, this is the intent. This is what we're trying to do there. Here's a couple of different ways that we can accomplish that. I don't know all of your inner workings as far as your taxes and income and how, you know, what your asset protection um, situation is. So 
here's what we're trying to do, you know, and, and your attorney can just say, okay, here's the best way to do it based on your personal situation. Vincent? Yes. I think we're, I think we're all on the same page. Okay. Fantastic. All right. Well, Clint, um, let me, I'll draft that and get that to you. You can fire it over to them via email. And then you guys want to just circle back around like next uh, Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, I'll work. I guess I'll Clint and I'll work out the details. We'll schedule a call for, you know, sooner rather than later. Yeah, I'm I'm open as soon as you guys as soon as you are. I just don't want to rush you with the attorney and CPA because that can be no, we'll, challenging we'll, to coordinate. Uh, we'll work. Um, Clint, you've got my email address, right? Yes, sir. And for y'all. Excellent. Hey, listen, Thank I really all. sincerely appreciate your time. It's a beautiful home. Absolutely. Appreciate. It. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Have a great afternoon. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Virtual Real Estate Investor Podcast with Vincent Polisi. If you found any value in this podcast, please use our Give to Get method and take a moment to give us a five-star rating in iTunes and your favorite podcast service so we can keep giving you excellent episodes of real content you can use to profit today. 